Welcome to the Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Open, if you would, with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It's also in the insert in your bulletin. We're in our Christmas series called Jesus the Reason, based out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I think it's a small insert in your bulletin if you don't have your Bible with you. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, we just ask for a seal upon your word today. That Father, as we look into the scripture, that you will open our minds that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our eyes to see. And Father, we just thank you for being able to come into this place today and share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I started working on this message about four months ago and had everything all done and thought I had it all finished. And then I couldn't sleep last night. All through the night, I kept thinking, well, I should say this about mighty God, or I should say this, or I should say that. So about 4.15 this morning, I shredded my notes and started over. (laughs) And it's one of those sayings, I was finished by 5.30. So this is, as we would say, hot off the press. Um, And I want to apologize as a pastor because I normally... Don't preach a message that I haven't spent hours and hours working on because I like to internalize it before I preach it. But I feel like that last night I internalized it when I couldn't sleep. And uh, so here's where we're going with this mighty God. You know, this prophecy was given over 700 years before Christ was born. And as Dr. DeCoven said last week, Isaiah didn't know when it would be be fulfilled. He didn't know how it would be fulfilled. Probably the people at that time thought that the Messiah was going to come in and set up an earthly kingdom to where they would then all be rulers and reigners with the king. But it wasn't to happen. 
It's interesting, he says, to unto us a child is born. A king was not sent, a child was born. Not only a child, but a son was given. So Jesus is this mighty God. Last week we talked about the wonderful counselor, today mighty God, next week everlasting father. Then the fourth week, just before Christmas, we'll talk about the Prince of Peace. But Jesus is the mighty God. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 and verse 14 says that the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus is God. Okay? He is that mighty God. John 14, 9 says, Jesus said that you have seen me, and if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Philippians 2, 6 says that Jesus, who being in the image of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. As mighty God, Jesus is too powerful to fail too wise to make a mistake, and he loves us too much to hurt us. After you've heard me say that another couple of hundred times, you'll be able to repeat it with me when I say it. That's kind of our motto in ministry and as a family. God is too powerful to fail, too wise to make a mistake, and he loves us too much to hurt us. Jesus is our mighty God. And Jesus, our mighty God, is a powerful God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Let me see. How many of you have ever flown from Kuwait to North America? Okay, anybody flown from Kuwait to like the Philippines or, okay, what did you fly over? An ocean. Was it a 10-minute flight? <laughs> no, it takes a long time to fly across the oceans. But God measures all of the oceans of the world in the palm of his hand. I tried it this morning to see how much water I could fit in the palm of my hand. It was about two and a half teaspoons if I was very careful. Now, I know I have little hands. So that's okay. But think about God measures the oceans in the palm of his hand. And then it says he measures the universe... Or he measures the heavens with the span of his hand. The span of my hand is just over six inches. I can't do much with the universe. I don't know if y'all remember, when did you preach that message? How long ago? Four, five, six, seven months ago. I don't remember. Remember Pastor Dale preached a message and he, he showed video or slides of the universe and 
how it is expanding and how big the universe and just how big our Milky Way is. And God measures that with the span of his hand. We serve a great, big God. And it says he calculates the dust of the earth in a measure and he weighs the mountains with the scale and the hills in a balance. We serve a mighty God and his name is Jesus. While he was on this earth, he proved his power over and over again. You remember the story of a man named Jarius came to Jesus and he said, please come to my house. My daughter is sick. So Jesus and the disciples start going that way. And while they're on the way, they get interrupted. Now, I will have to admit to you and have to confess. When I'm heading to an appointment, I don't like being interrupted. I may even have a tendency to not stop for someone that interrupts me when I'm on a mission for God. But here was Jesus going to heal this girl, and he's interrupted by this lady that's been sick all of these years, and she said, all I have to do is touch him. She worked her way through the crowd. She touched him. He felt power go out of him, and she was instantly healed. Now, during this interruption, something else happened. The girl is no longer sick. She is now dead. And the messengers came and said, don't bother the master anymore. The girl is dead. And Jesus looked at the dad and said, don't worry, just believe. You have the mighty God in your midst. Now, he didn't say that. I added that, okay? That's not in Scripture. That's what he was telling him, though. He gets to the house, and all of the people are there. They know what a dead person is. They've already started the, the wailing and the weeping, the, the mourning for the death. Jesus walks in, and he says, hey, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And what did they do? The Bible says they ridiculed him, and they laughed him, and laughed at him for making such a crazy remark. So he sends him out of the room, and what does he do? He simply reaches down and touches her, and not heal her, he raises her from the dead. Our God, Jesus, is a mighty God. He did the impossible. Then in Luke chapter 11, verses 20 to 22, it says that shows us that Jesus has power over Satan and his demons. It talks about they were telling Jesus that he cast demons out by the power of Beelzebub or by the power of a demon. And he says, how can that be? How can someone come in and take something out of a man's house unless someone bigger than that man 
come in. We've got some guys in here that are a lot bigger than I am and stronger than I am. I wouldn't want to try to go in your house against your wishes and take something out of your house. The only way it could happen is if someone bigger comes. See, Satan and his demons, they're big, they're bad, they're tough, and they're hard to beat. You cannot fight them in your own strength and in your own power. But that's okay. Because we serve a mighty God. Now, don't throw anything at me at this statement. This is not a sacrilegious statement, okay, that I'm about to make. It's just my southern English, okay? Yeah, Satan is big, bad, tough, and hard to beat, but Jesus is bigger, badder, tougher, and unbeatable. Is that okay? That I can say Jesus is big, bigger, badder, and tougher than, than the devil? Okay? Amen. We serve a mighty God. See, Satan threw everything that he could try to defeat Jesus. You remember, he threw temptation at him three different times. And what did Jesus say? It is written. That brings up a good point. When Satan tempts you, what do you say? Hopefully, you can say it is written. It's not enough just to say, Get out of here, devil. Leave me alone. He listens to the word. That's why the word is so important to have it in our hearts. I've told this illustration before when I was taking my pilot's training. We did a lot of practice on emergency landings. So much so that it was just drilled in our head what to do in an emergency landing one day we were flying along and my instructor reached up, turned the ignition off of the plane and put the key in his pocket to see what my reaction would. So I just went right through all of the checklists and everything and I passed. So he put the key back in, turned the engine back on and we kept flying. Not knowing that in 1984 when we were flying over the jungles of Kenya, the engine really did quit on the plane. Now, I could have been like a lot of Christians, and I could have opened the owner's manual that was in the plane, turned to the concordance in the back of the owner's manual, and looked up for the verse, oh, I meant the chapter, that says, what do you do when the engine quits? You understand what I'm saying here? But no, we didn't do that. The other guy and I, both of us were trained pilots. As soon as the engine quit, we went through all of the checklists. We landed in a small field. Nothing was, no problems. I mean, I'm here, so, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> we didn't die in a plane crash. We actually landed the plane, got it fixed, and then took off. But how many times do we as Christians find ourselves in trouble And then we have to go hunting for a promise so that we can get out of trouble. It was interesting when that engine quit, the first thing my buddy and I did 
is almost simultaneously we cried out, the everlasting arms of God are always underneath to uplift us. Scripture was the first thing that came out. Satan threw at him fame. You know, throw yourself off the temple. The angels will swoop down and they will grab you. Think about what a way to start a ministry. Hey, Dell, this is an idea, dude. If we want to advertise CIC, you climb up on top of Alhambra Towers, and I'll be down on the bottom with the video camera, okay? And you jump off, and just as the angels swoop down to catch you, we'll catch it all on film. Put it all over the news. What, what do you think? You know, you think that would get us some attention? Well, that's basically what Satan was doing, tempting Jesus to jump off the temple. The angels would come. And, you know, Jesus, with all of the fame, everything, it is written. You worship God alone. He threw hatred at him. The people that had the day before, a couple of days before, hollered, Hosanna, Hosanna laid their coats on the road, laid the palm leaves on the road. Now they're crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He threw hatred at him, and Jesus simply said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The whole political arena was against him, but... In the scripture that we read in Isaiah, it says it doesn't matter. His shoulders carry the government. He threw storms at him and Jesus said, peace, be still. That same mighty God is in our lives today. And whatever storm the enemy throws at you, loss of a job, sickness, loss of a loved one, it doesn't matter. Broken relationship, whatever the storm is, our mighty God, Jesus, is there to say, peace, be still. And here's the greatest one. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58, says that Jesus has power over death. Jesus has power over death. Uh, my mom passed away when I was little, but I've always had that comfort that one day I would see her again because one day every one of us will die if Jesus doesn't come back first. Here, here's a happy thought for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born to die. <laughs> True? <laughs> you know, well, think about it. That, that is a guaranteed fact. We were all born and we all are one day will die, but Jesus, this mighty God, has power over death. You remember Lazarus? Been in the grave for four days, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, and he's resurrected. In the town of Non, Jesus is walking into town. He finds a funeral procession. There's a widow who has lost her only son. They're carrying him out to be buried. Jesus interrupted the funeral, 
spoke to the young man and rose and he raised from the dead. And then we talked about Jairus' daughter already. And then Jesus, our mighty God, is with us. He's not off somewhere that we can't touch him. The Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of God interceding for us, but he is with us because he is inside of us. Matthew 28, 20 says, Jesus is with us always. Does that mean sometime? No, that means all the time. Jesus is with us always. Mark 16 and 20 says that when you go preach the word of God, Jesus goes with you. I want to give you some good news, and it's bad news at the same time. Everywhere you go, Jesus goes with you. That's good news unless you're going bad places. Then it can be bad news, okay? But Jesus is with us all the time. See, I don't go and preach in a village in Africa by myself. Jesus goes with me, and the Bible says he confirms the word that we preach. Jesus never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. He is with us always. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Listen to this, verse 38. For I am persuaded... That neither death nor life, angels or principalities, powers, things present or things to come, neither height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is with us today. There's nothing I can do that makes him love me more. But also, there's nothing I can do that makes him love me less. I remember when our kids were teenagers and, you know, we were getting to that place to where, you know, all parents dread when kids become teenagers. How many of you ever were one? Did... did, Did you make your parents worry about you as well? You know, sometimes I think my kids are an answer to my mother's prayer. You know, have you ever heard? Any of you moms ever prayed that prayer? God, give them one just like them. (laughs) But we told all of our kids 
I know you're going to be tempted. Things are going to come, drugs, drinking, sex, whatever. And we know we've raised you right. And it's our prayer that you don't do anything wrong. But if you do, you're still our kid. We still love you. You can still come to us. And it doesn't matter what you've done, we will still love you. We may not be happy with what you did, but we will love you regardless, and we will walk through it with you. Aren't you glad our Heavenly Father is that way with us? Get real honest with me. How many of you have ever messed up real bad? <laughs> and did God throw us away or kick us to the curb or kick us out of the house or disown us or disinherit us or any of these things? No. The Heavenly Father loves us right to the very end. About 30 years ago, I was called to a hospital to witness the will of a man that had been an atheist all of his life. He had cancer of the larynx, and they had had to remove his voice box, and he had one of these little uh, contraptions that he put up, and when he would talk, he kind of sounded like a computer voice. And so I was there to attest his last will and testament. Because in Louisiana, when someone wants to do a, a will on their deathbed, there has to be a doctor, a lawyer, and a priest or a pastor. So a clergyman there, so they called me. Well, the doctor didn't show up and the lawyer didn't show up, so it was just me and this guy. And so I just started sharing the love of God with him. I mean, here he is. He's only expected a few days to live. So what do I have to lose, you know? So I started sharing with him, and he'd put that up to his neck, and he would say, I can't be saved. Why? I've lived all of my life believing there is no God. I've spent all of my life making fun of Christians and people that believed in God and believed in Jesus. So how could God save me just before I die? I said, well, he loves you enough that he sent me here and made sure the doctor and the lawyer weren't here so I could talk to you about this. That's how much God loves you, and he will forgive you. Tears started running down his face, and he put that thing up to his neck, and he asked Jesus to forgive him and to come into his life. Almost immediately, a nurse walked in. This guy had been in the hospital for years. The nurse walked up to his bed and said, What happened to you? This is the first time I've ever seen you smile. He put that thing up and he said, I just asked Jesus into my life. So I prayed for him. I said, you know, what do you want God to do for you? He says, I don't want to die in a hospital. I just want God to touch me enough to where I can get well enough to go home and die at home. So I just prayed a simple prayer for him that God would grant his wish. The doctor came in. The lawyer came in. We filled out all the paperwork. We all signed it and left. 
The next day he went home. And that night he died. So the wife, they had never been to church. They were atheists, so they asked us to do the funeral. Come to find out this man was very high in the Nuclear Power Commission in the United States. And he worked at the nuclear power plant there outside of Baton Rouge. And so all of these big wig guys from Washington, D.C. and the Nuclear Power Commission all came to the funeral. And so I had a opportunity to introduce them to this man they had known all of their life but had never really known him because two days before he had given his heart to Jesus and I said and I know as a matter of fact that right now he is at the feet of Jesus worshiping him my question for you today, do you need Jesus, mighty God, to do something for you right now? Maybe you're facing a situation and you say it's impossible. Jesus in Luke 8.27 says, all things are possible. With you, it may look dire. Maybe you have heard these words. Medically speaking, it can't get any worse. It's impossible with man, with medicine, with the doctors, but Jesus says all things are possible. You might be looking at a situation at work or somewhere and you just say, I'm tired. I can't go on anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't fight anymore. I'm just tired. And Jesus in Matthew 11:28 to 30 says this, "Come to me and I will give you rest." Maybe you're at a place and you say I just can't go on anymore. It's too hard. Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 12:9 through the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Or you might say, I can't do it. I don't know how. I don't have the education. I don't have the training. This is something that God's asked me to do and I just can't do it. But listen to the words of Philippians 4.13. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, here's the problem with us most of the time. Is we spend too much time looking at us and our abilities or our lack of abilities, our education, our lack of education, what we have, what we don't have, rather than looking at God. You know, if we would be honest and look at our prayer life, many times in our prayer life, all we do is tell God how big our problem is. Where it would be much better to tell your problem how big your God is. Amen? Because we serve a mighty God. 
We serve a great big God. The Bible says that God sits in the heavens and He puts His feet on the earth. Now, I don't know where He's sitting. Is He sitting on our sun or is He sitting on the outer edges of the Milky Way or is He sitting on the next galaxy? I don't know. But somewhere he's sitting in heaven and he puts his feet on the earth as a footstool. So just so we can wrap our minds around it, let's say he's sitting on our sun. And he's putting his feet on the earth. Okay, here's your science lesson. How far is it from the earth to the sun? 96 million miles. I don't know what that is in kilometers. <laughs> but it's a long way. So if God's sitting on the sun and puts his feet on the earth, how big is he when he stands up on your behalf? Think about it. And he does. You remember Stephen? I, I love the name Stephen, but all of my friends in Sunday school used to want to play Bible games. You be Stephen. And they'd all go pick up rocks, you know. That, sometimes it's not good to have Stephen as your name. But it doesn't matter what happens. God is there for us. When Stephen was stoned, what does the Bible say? He said he looked up and he did not see Jesus seated at the right hand of God. He saw Jesus standing, getting ready to welcome him in to the kingdom. Let me tell you, when Jesus stands up for you, you don't have to worry. If God is on my side, who can be against me? And I want to give you some good news today. God is for you. God is there. He's the one in the stands hollering at you to do your very best in this game called life. Encouraging us. Jesus, mighty God, is praying for us. And he's there on our behalf. Let's pray. And as we pray, if you are facing something in your life now that you need Jesus, mighty God, to help you with, just take a few minutes and ask God to touch you. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word. Father, I thank you for waking me up in the night and changing my message. Father, we ask that you would show each one of us and confirm deep, deep down in our hearts that you are a mighty God, that you are powerful on our behalf. That you love us with an everlasting love. That you have power over the enemy and power even over death. 
and that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us, but everywhere we go, you are right there with us. And Father, I ask that you would touch every person in this room today by your Spirit. In Jesus' name.